Welcome to the podcast. I'm Shira Schoenberg. Massachusetts children need to go back to school this September, but only in the last few days have many districts decided what exactly that will look like. Will it be remote or will kids be back in the school buildings, at least for part of the time? Here with me to discuss school reopenings are Somerville Mayor Joe Curtitoni and Worcester School Committee member Tracy Novak. Welcome. Mayor Curtitoni, Somerville was one of the first districts to announce your plans, and you said on August 1st that the district would keep all students remote this fall. What was behind that decision? Well, it comes out of an abundance of caution. Uh, one, although Somerville's positivity rate is really low, a little over 1%, uh, we live in we're the most densely populated community in New England, and we have cities nearly abutting us whose uh, transmission rates, positivity rates are a lot higher, and we see an uptick in cases. And in addition to that, we're not ready. We have school buildings like every other district or community across the Commonwealth that don't have the proper level of fresh air exchange or airflow to make sure we don't have a a concentration of aerosol particles, respiratory particles in the air, which could spike transmission. Uh, And we don't have surveillance testing in place. Two important components we're addressing to support any reopening to ensure that our students, our staff, our teachers, and their families and the general public at large remain safe. And Tracy, Worcester looks a little different than Somerville. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the school committee initially proposed a hybrid plan where students would return part-time. Then you were thinking about remote with some special populations coming back. And then finally, Thursday night, you decided to go fully remote. What happened? Mm Um, I mean, I think in many ways it's related to exactly what the mayor has just said. Um, so we um, have had uh, continual updates in terms of our HVAC systems, their capacities, and what the timeline would be for bringing in the kind of equipment um, that he was just speaking of in terms of adding ionization equipment, adding filtration equipment. Um, there was some question as to whether or not we could um, potentially try to get some pieces of that done in time to have at least our highest need students back in a few of our buildings that had the best um, HVAC systems in terms of air exchange, um, it became increasingly clear that that wasn't actually something that was gonna be able to be happening. And I mean, much like everyone else, um, we have seen our numbers start to creep up over the last couple of weeks too. And so again, as as just as was said, out of an abundance of caution, um, having 25,000 students come back um, in mid-September along with 4,500 staff Um, didn't seem to be a a very wise decision to us. So while obviously you've made the decision that you think is best for your districts, um, it's not without controversy. I mean, I'll point just for example, the American Academy of Pediatrics has said that doctors believe students should return to school. Um, And while they've qualified that somewhat to stress reliance on local experts, open infection rates, I think everyone acknowledges that there are some dangers to students not being in school. I mean, you have potentially increased risks of things like depression or suicidality. You have teachers aren't there to identify students who might be being abused. Um, Students are lacking access to support services, things like free lunch. Um, Mayor Caratoni, what are you doing in a place like Somerville to address those kinds of dangers? Well, um, I'm sure Tracy will agree. We're acutely aware of the impacts on our students, our families, and our communities as a result of COVID. Our lives have been turned upside down. Our economies have been brought to its knees. And we're all, so many people are suffering emotional strain and duress as a result of the isolation, uncertainty, and the lack of learning, and that learning environment for our kids. Look, I have, my wife and I have four boys, two are still uh, students in the Summer Public Schools. I want nothing more for them to be learning in school. But we have to be smart. 
we have to do this safely. And you referenced the American Academy of Pediatricians. Uh, well, more information is coming out. There's so much we don't know about COVID, how it impacts folks. And we're finding out now just in the last two weeks of July, about 100,000 school-aged children have been infected. And the, uh, the transmission level or risk uh, between children is, uh, we're understanding, is a lot higher than we originally presumed. Uh, we're seeing what's happened around the country where school districts, have rushed, school districts have rushed to reopen. They've now had to shut down schools. And I want to remind everyone, whether it's Worcester or Somerville uh, or New Bedford or Gloucester, this has been dumped on us by the Department of Early and Secondary Education and the governor and the Commonwealth. There is no plan. All the experts will also tell us that if we're going to reopen, we need to have the capacity for surveillance testing. That does not exist. We cannot know how the pandemic or COVID is impacting our school population in our general population without having the guidance, the diagnostic guidance from testing available to see how it is spreading. Uh, again, there is no plan. So school districts like Western Somerville had to figure it out on our own. And if we're gonna reopen, we should be guided by two stars to ensure that we, we're, that one, we're able to ensure the health and safety of everyone, our school population and our general population, and that any reopening is sustainable. I'd submit, we'll be right back to the starting point if we try to reopen because we're gonna have spikes and outbreaks in our schools. Tracy, I know that you made a similar point about kind of lack of state resources at this Worcester School uh, Committee meeting the other night. I think you were asked about uh, childcare. You know, a lot of parents are saying they have nobody to watch their children if they're supposed to be learning remotely. And you also mentioned the lack of state resources. Tell me what your concerns are. Well, right. I mean, and honestly, no one's, I think, been more outspoken about this than the mayor. But um, in terms of essentially local government being left to fend for itself, that's really been the experience, I think, of all of us in local government um, over the past several months. I mean, that started, at least from an education perspective, back in March, when literally every single superintendent in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts called school on their own before the governor then went on television and said, oh, yeah, by the way, we're canceling school. Well, thanks. That was very helpful. Um, and now here we are, it's, you know, the beginning of August and we're supposed to be making plans and two days before the plans are due, suddenly we have this map that's supposed to magically say everything is fine. Um, and I mean, the mayor has talked about, you know, being next to Chelsea. It's not like we have a wall in between our communities and from a school district perspective, about half of our teachers don't live in the city of Worcester. And uh, there's a bunch of teachers that do live in Worcester that work in our surrounding communities. Well, we as districts know that. This idea that somehow that map tells us much of anything that we didn't already know, and we're incorporating into a lot of other kinds of things that we were using to make our decisions um, is kind of nonsensical. So as you said, um, you know, we have parents who are coming forward and saying, okay, well, that's your plan. Here's where this leaves us in the lurch. As many of those problems as we can answer, there's also quite a number of them that we can't. I mean, we know how successful countries have dealt with this. It's been to do things like pay parents to stay home with their kids until they got through the virus. It's been, as was already said, that kind of extensive testing and tracing that has been done in other communities. Another thing that we did last night in Worcester is we passed a measure calling on the state to have free, extensive, easily reachable um, testing and tracing available everywhere in the state before anyone sends anyone back into buildings, um, because that's the least that we can be asking for. Like, anyone sends anyone back into a building. I mean, we're seeing what's happening in other parts of the country that have already opened up. Um, they end up essentially having to shut schools back down. That doesn't help. The countries that have made this work have extensive contact tracing and have extensive testing, and we don't have that either. Can I add something to that? Because Tracy brings sure. up an important point that I missed. 
and I want to commend her and the school committee of Worcester for their leadership. Contact tracing. It, the governor four weeks ago said they were scaling back on it. You, we're yes. either going to control this pandemic or it's going to control us. Contract tracing is, it gives us two things. It gives us information real time and allows us to make adjustments real time based on information, how the pandemic is changing. How can we do this? It's like driving a car blindfold. I thank you, Tracy, for bringing that up. That was an important point that gets left out in all these conversations. Can you contact Trace in schools? Well, it's supposed to be happening in the community. Des Again, this is one where Desi has said, oh, well, there'll be community contract tracing, except there isn't community contact tracing. So we got this chart from the state, which is what I said to my, my colleagues last night, which essentially says, if you can't get tested, you have to quarantine for 14 days. Okay, except 14 days, you do that one or two times and you've got kids who we have to mark as truant. To one or two times, you've got teachers who have used all their sick days. We can't run a district like that. That's just not possible. Yeah. Yeah. So we actually need to be able to say, you've got it, you don't. And as the mayor said, you've been in contact or you haven't. It allows us, Shira, to surgically and strategically respond to how the pandemic's changed in real time without having to take a, you know, force us with a crowbar. And we, we had to. Tracy brings up another good point. At the beginning, it was school districts like Worcester and some of them, communities across the Commonwealth that took the initiative. Governor Baker was reticent. He was not closing schools. I remember that Sunday after, after all the districts started closing, that Sunday on the record uh, conversation, he said, we're not closing schools. And seven hours later, we're going to close schools. Yes. Because we were forced with this whack-a-mole approach of, 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 of closing the school, cleaning that classroom. That's not how we're going to respond to this. And again, if we're going to try to live in this new normal, if we want to get our kids back, reopen parts of our economy, we have to do it in a way that's sustainable and safe, but we don't have the tools in place to do that as we speak today. So let's talk more about this map. Governor Baker has been pushing districts to reopen in person, and he threw a bit of a last minute wrench in all of your plans on Tuesday when he released this color-coded map of COVID-19 rates in each community. And the State Department of Education then said that if you're high risk, you're a red community, you should start running remotely. If you're low risk, you should go back to school in person. Uh, Mayor Caratoni, Somerville is shaded green on the map or low risk. Why aren't you listening to the governor's guidance to go back to school in person? I don't know of any expert who hasn't told us you cannot look at one data point or one metric. We have to look at this holistically. And really what is frustrating to me is we put out a color-coded map, the governor has, and said this is a plan. This is not a plan. I want to clarify that when we see positivity rates and the number of positive cases, that is actually a snapshot of what happened two or three weeks ago. What it doesn't tell you is how quick the positive cases are changing. What is the rate of that change within each community? And again, if you look at that map, again, Desi puts out this map with the governor and says, these communities should judge, make the decision based on that map. But if you're a regional school district, you should consolidate and look at all the data from the regions. That sort of belies the conversation or narrative they put forward. All the experts say we should be looking at everything. One, the availability of testing. Are we contact tracing? The positivity rate, the, how quickly the cases are changing. Did you go from a 1% positivity rate to a 1.5, 1.75 in six days, seven days, 14 days? All those factor into our ability to, again, deal strategically and smartly in controlling the pandemic or it controls us. This map, I tell you, was one of the most frustrating um, uh, frustrating pieces of information Desi and the Commonwealth have released. We've been asking, and I think I speak for Worcester as well, leaders across the state, city, municipal, 
school leaders and asking for the indicators that the administration and DESE are looking at to help them guide the decisions. Should we scale up to hybrid or all students in or roll back? Should we go from phase three to phase two? To this date, after several months of dealing with the pandemic, we had none of that. And all we have is one piece of data that shows us nothing. And I'll remind everyone, as Tracy brought up earlier, I, some of us in the inner core of Boston, much like Worcester, we're very densely populated. We're the most densely populated community in New England. Just two miles away is Everett and Chelsea. A few, another mile is Revere. Another mile is, is Lynn. If this was the New York metro area, we'd be boroughs in that city. So are we saying that what would happen in Queens doesn't matter in Brooklyn or the upper side of uh, or the upper east side doesn't matter in downtown Manhattan? Of course it does. Our teachers are coming from all these same communities. We're riding the same transit system. Our workers are in close contact as they're going to the essential jobs. So really, this is a false and really reckless proposal to put forth that we should be guided by this one data point. And Tracy, Worcester on that map is yellow or moderate risk. So under state guidelines, that means you should start with a hybrid model or potentially remote only if there are extenuating circumstances. And unlike in Somerville, you actually voted to start remote after the governor's guidance came out. Did the map affect your decision at all? Um, other than increase my frustration with the state? No. Um, in fact, one of the things to the mayor's point that I asked for last night was, so since we didn't get a metric from the state, can we work with our Department of Public Health to create a metric for Worcester? Because clearly we need one. Because part of the conversation that we need to have, if Worcester does end up shifting to hybrid over the course of the fall or into really the winter, um, is it can't only be about our buildings. It also needs to be about the health metrics around it. And since the state is just giving us this color-coded map, um, that clearly is not going to be any help. So we once again are going to have to do our own work rather than depend on the state. Um, one thing that I came across this morning um, is, you know, again, to the mayor's point, that in, uh, apparently, I believe it's in Montana, the governor is actually making declarations by county. And I thought, think about how big a county is in Montana, and that's how they're actually measuring things by things. Frankly, that makes a lot more sense than it does here. In Worcester, we have teachers who come to us from Rhode Island. We have teachers who come to us from all over central Massachusetts. Um, none of our cities are islands, and to pretend that they are is ridiculous. Um, and the mayor mentioned essential workers. I think that that's really the untold story of the, of the administration. When the, mayor, when, the, when the governor goes on television and starts listing off Chelsea, Revere, Everett, et cetera, what do all of those cities have in common? Well, they're poor they're highly Latino, and they're full of essential workers. Those aren't people who can stay home from work when things are, unless they actually do things like shut stuff down. The governor's been super reluctant to do that. Instead, he goes on and, you know, scolds people from having pool parties and threatens to take away our parks, rather than actually making the kind of actions that are necessary, and that actually would support our communities um, in dealing with the pandemic. So it's really just been a continual disappointment. What would you have preferred to see the, the state do, Tracy? Um, I, well, I, I have started several Twitter lists <laughs> that have asked, you know, said, here are some useful things that the commissioner could be doing rather than the kinds of things that we've been seeing. Um, I mean, first of all, obviously, Worcester, um, this was finally supposed to be the year where we were implementing the Student Opportunity Act, right? We, we're $100 million a year underfunded. Um, instead, what happened is we just found out that we've got a 1.99% increase over last year, which means that we're about $14 million underfunded for this year, um, you know, beyond the $100 billion we already were. That's not really helping. Um, advocacy there would be useful. 
um, there being uh, ways in which superintendents actually could be exchanging the best of plans. A lot of that has been happening informally, but there were ways in which that could happen. Um, I assume that the state actually does have information about, um, you know, who works where, who doesn't work where, that kind of thing. Talking about our buildings, talking about our HVAC systems. I mean, there's a reason why Worcester um, can't put kids back into buildings, um, regardless of the infection rate, at anything more than one quarter measurement. And some of that is about the fact that we literally have school buildings that date back to the decade after the Civil War. Um, now, they're great buildings. I love them. But um, they don't necessarily have up-to-date HVAC systems. And that's something that is a, essentially a generational accumulation of something that we now have to deal with. You could throw as much money as you wanted to at that problem, but we're not going to get that done by September. But that is something else that could be talked about. And I mean, I could probably go on at greater length, but there's, there's a lot of leadership kinds of things and messaging and work with the, um, the legislature that could be happening beyond, of course, the contact tracing and the testing that also has been these sorts of one and done or you've got it for a week and then it's gone kinds of stuff um, that doesn't actually help us sustainably. So we're having this conversation here in August, a few weeks before school is supposed to start. You know, you've obviously been under enormous pressure. You have teachers unions are really calling for remote learning. A lot of parents seem to be calling for parents to go back to school. And none of us have any idea what things are going to look like a month from now or certainly six months from now. How often are the two of you going to be revising or rethinking your school reopening plans? And how are you going to keep balancing these competing interests moving forward. Mayor? So, uh, you know, I'm sure like Worcester and so many other communities, we're, we're going to be guided by facts, by data, by the, uh, the most, you know, by the guidance of health experts and epidemiologists. And again, guided by two stars, ensuring the health, safety, and well-being of all and making sure that any reopening is sustainable. This is difficult. I'm acutely aware. We're all aware how tough this is on folks. But if we could put things into perspective, I think it would be kind of like this. Where we are right now on August 14th, uh, near the end of summer, and I want to recognize that as a Commonwealth, I want to commend the governor and his administration. We've all worked together to flatten out the curve, maintain the stability of our healthcare system, um, which would have been catastrophic. To that, however, let's remind each other uh, in the Commonwealth, more than 8,300 people have perished and 167,000 uh, nationally, and some of about 37. I don't know Worcester's numbers, but I know they're high. So we've paid with not just inconvenience, but with blood. But we are in the best situation. This is as good as it's going to get until there's a vaccine that's not just developed, but distributed and taken by hundreds of millions of Americans. This virus is going to continue to be with us. People are going to continue to become ill, even when a vaccine is launched and continue to die. So the, that is the number one guiding uh, orient and value to all of us, to ensure everyone's health, safety, and well-being. And that will guide us, and we're gonna be thoughtful and thorough and deliberate in looking at the data and a variety of indicators, much like Worcester. We're gonna develop, we're developing our own, guided by, those, by that expertise as we think about how and if we're able to uh, evolve and mature to our hybrid model, and hopefully, hopefully someday to all in person, although I, that's a long shot, as far as I'm concerned. Tracy, what about Worcester? How often are you going to be rethinking these plans? 
Um, I mean, we're planning on having, um, you know, updates every couple of weeks as a school committee. Um, obviously, the administration is probably doing things more often. I wouldn't say that that necessarily means we're going to update the plans more often than that, but we'll be getting updates on things like how is the work that's going on in our schools going in terms of facilities? Um, how's the remote learning planning going? What are the numbers around what parents are preferring? Um, how is the planning going for the highest need students in terms of whether or not we feel like they can bring them back? And then obviously we have, you know, conversations going on with the teachers unions and so forth. Um, also our bus union and, you know, the, the other groups that we work with. Um, so I would say that it, that it's ongoing. I know the mayor said last night that, um, that our mayor last night said that we were planning on having um, probably a public hearing at least once a month to hear from parents um, and other community members on how, schooling is going to because really that's the other half of the equation is um, so we're doing remote learning how's that going and how's it working and how can we be supportive of that um and i'll fully admit that i don't have the data on this question i only have a lot of anecdotes and stories from teachers from uh, parents and families it seems like you definitely have a pool of parents that are pulling their kids out of the public school system this year maybe they want more of an in-person option so they're going to the private school system Maybe they're concerned about safety, so they're going to a learning pod or micro school where you might, you know, pull together a group of a group of kids in a house and hire a teacher, for example, or hire, you know, a babysitter or a guide while the kids are doing the work assigned by their school system. Um, Tracy, what are you seeing prevalence of this in Worcester? And do you have concerns that a lot of families, particularly well-off families, might simply take their kids? out of the public school system? And what does that mean going forward? Um, you know, the other thing that, that I, I'm seeing um, that I think that we're, we're maybe not talking as much about is there's been some data around there being a really high rate of concern among, um, in particular, Black and Latino families because the rates of infection have been so much higher in those communities. Um, so I want to make sure we acknowledge that too, because I know that's been part of my thinking um, in terms of how Worcester's dealing with this, since we're a um, plurality Latino school district. Um, uh, is it a concern? I guess it's a concern. I wouldn't say that it's a worry, and I know that. And you can't run a public school system based on parental wishes to flee. I mean, that's how you end up with you know acceding to things like segregation. I have noticed that it is. Interestingly, uh, while we certainly have heard from parents who have said, I'm an essential worker, I have a first grader, how is this going to work? The real loud push um, from where I sit and looking at my colleagues across the state in terms of reopening has been coming from some very, very privileged places. Um, this is not the parents who are going out and, you know, cleaning floors at the hospital. These are the parents who need to get on the train to go make millions of dollars on straight street. So I will say that I have a little bit less sympathy for that. Um, does that end up shifting the system? Yes, we know that you know, anytime privilege pulls out of the system, it, it shifts things. And one of Worcester's ongoing back and forths is that you know, Worcester, arguably in other places, Worcester contains its own suburbs. There are parts of the city that um, don't look like a city and are wealthier and are whiter. Um, and that does, you know, affect our system. We did receive more phone calls from that part of the city around, well, how come you're not taking my first grader back? And can't you at least open our elementary school and those kinds of things? And that's one of the balances that you have to make as a public official to say, this is a time where those who have a little bit more privilege need to step back, which is not a popular thing to say, but it's part of our job. Um, we 
don't take these jobs because they're easy. Uh, and I think it's actually really important to push back on those kinds of things. And I mean, I say that as a white mother who's you know, middle class and college educated in a city that predominantly doesn't look like me, um, that it is my job to not only not demand those kinds of things, but it's my job to make sure that my demands are issued on the, on the part of those who cannot issue those demands, um, particularly as an elected official, but I would say that that would be my job anyway. So I, 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 but on the other hand, we also, by the way, have seen two Catholic schools in Worcester close um, the past year. So there's some of that happening at the same time too. Um, so I, does it enter the equation? Yes. Um, is it part of what I'm really balancing when I make decisions? No. Mayor, do you also see somewhat of a shift out of the public school <clears throat> system? You know, I haven't seen any data on, uh, to say that's happening. That's not to say it won't. Um, you know, we've heard those concerns. I've read many articles or reports about that. I just want to add to what Tracy mentioned, because I agree. Um, you know, let's remind, be reminded that COVID has been particularly harsh on black and brown people. They're getting sicker and dying at higher rates than all of us, the immigrants as well, and the elderly. And I said this, and I'll say this again to uh, echo Tracy's words, if we were a selfless society, we'd be knocking the daylights out of this disease and really controlling it. Unfortunately, we don't act that way. And, you know, I have, you know, we speak 52 languages in some of them. A lot of my community and those families, they're working the essential jobs. They're not working virtually. They're not working those white-collar jobs. And if you did an overlay of the transmission rate in Somerville and, and applied it against, you know, where subsidized or public housing is or environmental justice zones, you see those heat maps popping up quite bright and a very bright manner because that's where the impact is. So uh, we cannot exacerbate or compound the haves and have-nots uh, and our response to the pandemic, and we think about opening schools, we have to ensure the public health, safety, and well-being of everyone. Um, and although I fear, yeah, that we might have some of that consequence, I'd caution anyone who's making that decision. If you're going to pull your child out of a public school and out of any community into a private school, a parochial school, I'd make sure that they're approaching uh, their opening uh, with the highest levels of safety and health in, uh, in mind, uh, because a lot of cases they're not. They're not examining their building assets. They're going to be at a minimum six feet, maybe not with the, the three that Desi said, but the air exchange may not be there. Are they doing surveillance testing? Um, you know, the, the, in, this, in, in this case, you know, COVID will not discriminate. It will impact. And, uh, you know, so make sure if you're going to make that choice, that's the best case for your child. It might be a better case for convenience. It might not be the healthiest and safest choice for you. And final question, and I'll ask you to be relatively quick on this one for running well on time. Many parents described last spring as a disaster in terms of students not actually learning the amount that they need to be learning. What are you going to do to make sure that this fall is better? Tracy? Um, well, luckily, it's not only up to me. Um, it, there's been a lot of work that's been done um, over the summer, and that's going to be done at the beginning of the school year. That's why the commissioner added the 10 days of professional development at the beginning of the year um, to actually shift to online learning. I mean, I, I've heard the spring described as an emergency. I mean, we closed schools not expecting to have them closed for the rest of the year, and nobody was prepared for that. Um, and I think that now we are better prepared for that. Um, Worcester was certainly, you know, made the front page of the Boston Globe for how poorly we managed it. Um, a lot of that was more administrative than it was teachers. 
Um, but I think that we have more people who are more ready and who um, now that we're going into this with the mindset that this is how we're doing this and this is how we need to make it work, then we need to make it work. And uh, and I think that there's been resources devoted to that, but I also think that there's been a lot of tra- time and training put on that too. Mayor Crotoni, final word? Yeah, yeah, similar here. We need to do a better job. You know, none of us were prepared and we're doubling, you know, uh, we have incredibly talented teachers and staff and administrators in some of the public schools and there's no resource that will not that will be spared in this effort in addition we're gonna we're gonna support the learning environment and make it more not only make it more robust but you know social emotional support for our kids utilizing all the agencies of the city recreation libraries uh, to give the, the our children another outlet again to uh, not be cooped up doing remote learning only but to express themselves to be more active again, to take care of their, their body and mind as well as their, their intellect. And you can read more about school reopenings on commonwealthmagazine.org. Somerville Mayor Joe Curtitone, Worcester School Committee member Tracy Novick, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks. This was fun. <laughs> <laughs>